Welcome to the Flourish Heights podcast, made for women by women. I'm your host, Valerie Adjamine, women's health dietitian and the founder of Flourish Heights. To be empowered in health starts with a true connection with your body. Together, we are breaking through topics surrounding periods, women's nutrition, body awareness, self-care, and much more. Let's flourish and be the best version of ourselves. Hey ladies, I am back this time to debunk some myths, so I might be breathing in and out quite a lot throughout this episode because I hear some crazy things out there when it comes to nutrition and health, and I don't blame people for thinking this way. There's just a lot of nutrition misinformation from social media to magazines, even here in the podcast space, and girl, I am so fed up. I won't lie to you. I, I have this like love-hate relationship with being a dietitian. One of the things I truly dislike is the fact that I always feel like I'm fighting the masses. And what I mean by that is it almost feels like I am in this like constant war, whether it's sharing the real deal on the latest celebrity weight loss diet or the next supplement, the next juicing trend or the next fad diet. So I'm constantly keeping up with the latest nutrition trend and the latest science so that I can provide my community with evidence-based nutrition information because you deserve the very best. Hello. So a few weeks ago, I asked our Instagram community to share some nutrition topics you wanted to learn more about, any confusion or concerns that you have when it comes to nutrition. So I basically put them all together and came up with top common nutrition myths that I do see on the regular. And today I will be sharing 10 of them with you. So listen up, ladies. Some of you may be ready, may not be ready to hear the truth, but again, I am just the messenger. So please do not hate me for it. This is based on science. I am not making up this information. And really, your nutrition information should be coming from credible sources. Just saying. So let's get into these myths. The first myth I have for you today is that carbs are the devil. They are evil. We should be cutting them out completely from our diets. Now, what comes to mind when you think of carbs? Probably, you know, your cookies, your cakes, your donuts, things like that. And yes, these foods, depending on how it's made, may have excess amounts of added sugars and trans fat that when eaten in excess amounts regularly may lead to negative effects on your health and hormones. But what foods have carbs? Most of the foods that you eat actually do contain carbs. They're found in grain products like breads and and pastas and nuts, seeds, fruit, as well as starchy vegetables like beans, potatoes, chickpeas, and others. And believe it or not, there are smaller amounts in some animal products as well. Like shrimp, that's that's an example of one. If you love you some dark leafy greens, let me tell you right now that you will find some carbs in that too. So all of that to say is most foods do have carbs in them. And carbohydrates, they are your body's main source of energy. It's one of the three macronutrients your body needs for energy. And to simplify it a little bit, not all carbs are created equally. There are both simple and complex carbs. So simple carbs are found as added sugars in packaged foods, pastries, corn syrup, 
those kind of things. And these type of carbs can give your body quick energy, causing blood sugar spikes and crashes and may easily affect your energy level. Then we have complex carbs, which are found in starchy vegetables like potatoes, beans, whole grains, like brown rice. These type of carbs take your body a longer time to digest, giving you long lasting energy and keeping you fuller for a longer period of time. Also, some foods do contain both simple and carb and complex carbohydrates. Now, ladies, your body needs carbs to survive. They support the brain. They support your mood. They help with digestion and so much more. So not getting enough can lead to nutrient deficiencies, headaches, fatigue, constipation, and much more. I know everywhere you look, they say don't eat carbs. But if you are aiming to avoid all of those foods, you may be missing out on a lot of nutrition, a lot of delicious foods as well. So don't be scared. Add the carbs back in. And if you're concerned and want to know how to incorporate them into your eating routine for better health, see a dietitian. That's it. See a dietitian. So carbs are not the devil. They are not evil. And you should definitely not be cutting them out. Okay. The second myth I have for you today when it um, comes to nutrition is fats are bad. Okay, I hear this all the time. It's kind of annoying at this point. But fats are not bad, guys. We need fats. Your body needs fats. Why? They help with nutrient absorption. They support your hormones. They protect your organs and so much more. Not all fats are created equal. I will I will just say that now. Um, just like how carbs are not all created equally as well. When it comes to fats, some fats can actually help promote good health, while others increase your risk for heart disease. So really the key here is to include more fats like monounsaturated fats and polyunsaturated fats and be mindful of saturated fats and trans fats. I know it's like a lot. I get, I know, you know, but you want to think about the good fats. They call it the good fats, but those kind of fats can be found in fatty fish, nuts, seeds, etc. I love making my own salad dressing with extra virgin olive oil or adding an avocado with snacks and sprinkling seeds on salads. Those are some great ways to get in some fats into your eating routine. So are fats bad? They are not, but you do need to be mindful of the type of fats that you do have in your diet. So I mentioned being mindful of saturated and trans fat. These are the kind of fats, if eaten in excess, can lead to heart disease. So that's what I have to say about fats. Number three, you need a gallon of water a day. (laughs) Why are y'all drinking a gallon of water a day? Like, oh my goodness, that's a lot of water. And look, I am all for people getting in more water, which is so necessary. But a gallon of water a day, like how did we get there? You do not need a gallon of water every single day. I repeat, you do not need a gallon of water every day. We know staying hydrated does wonders for the body. I mean, it's helping to flush out the toxins. It's great for your skin health. It even supports a healthy ovulation. But hydration needs are highly individualized. So the same recommendations can't be applied to everyone. It just can't. It's based on your activity level, your body size, medical conditions, which are just a few factors that influence your water requirements and hydration which is why I get annoyed when folks recommend everyone to drink a gallon of water a day. Here's how it can get pretty dangerous. 
I used to help women with congestive heart failure and kidney disease manage their nutritional needs. With their health status, they had to be really restrictive with their fluid needs to prevent what we call fluid overload so that they don't have all these serious health complications. So I do think it's great that there's this like, you know, encouragement on just getting more people to drink more water, but a gallon of water a day is simply not needed. And water toxicity is real. I mean, it's kind of rare, but it can happen. And I've heard of stories like that because drinking an extreme amount of water in such a short period of time can be dangerous. It's it's, it's actually causing your sodium levels to drop too low, which is not good, and it can be really fatal. And not only that, to date, there is just limited research to show that drinking more water than your hydration requirements benefits your overall health. So no need to drink all that water. If you're not sure you are drinking enough water, check your urine color, ladies. We want to see a pale yellow color. And if you're breastfeeding or pregnant, you must prioritize your water intake for sure. So you don't need a gallon of water a day. All right. Okay. (laughs) The fourth nutrition myth that I am going to debunk is detoxing will rid the body of toxins. Okay. So our organs such as kidneys and liver, along with our immune system, can handle detoxification automatically on its own, no matter what. It doesn't need the extra help. There are many detox diets on the market claiming to flush toxins out of your system, promote weight loss, make you healthier, whatever. Be sure to do your research and consider speaking to a dietitian before starting any regimen. There are particular nutrients from foods that may help to support the detoxification process, but research is still being evaluated. So as long as you are urinating regularly, having bowel movements regularly, you're sweating, You can be sure that your body is doing its job. You can generally support your body's detoxification process by incorporating daily movement, eating more whole foods like fruits and veggies, whole grains, legumes, nuts, seeds, all those things, drinking an adequate amount of fluid every single day, and being mindful of the ingredients in your products, whether it's on your skin, on your body, in your home. That's a great start. But long-term detoxing will deprive your body of the essential nutrients, vitamins, minerals it needs to function. So choose an eating pattern that promotes overall health. There is no need to detox. All right. I know some of you listening is not really happy to hear that, but detoxing is not, it's not really needed. It's not needed. Your body's doing it already. You don't even realize your body is doing it. It doesn't need your help. Okay. (laughs) Okay. The fifth nutrition tip I am debunking is eating after seven causes weight gain. This is my absolute favorite, guys. I have worked with clients who have sworn by this. If you are on your personal weight loss journey for whatever reason, I am here to tell you that this is a lie. Okay. So. It does not matter what time of the day you eat. It's really about what you're eating and how much of that you're eating, plus how much activity you are actually doing the entire day that determines whether you gain weight, you lose weight, or you maintain your weight. And let me break it down even more. 
What really causes weight gain is eating more calories than the amount that we expend or burn in a day. So our bodies work on a 24-hour schedule. It doesn't cut off at a specific time. Like, so I don't even know where the 7 p.m. time came from. I need to do more research, but it's, it's, you don't really need to do that, okay? When we take so much control of our body, we are missing out on the signs it's really telling us you're kind of not really listening to its hunger cues or you know fullness cues if you are hungry and it's past seven o'clock please eat okay if your body's like give me food please you better honor that I highly encourage you to do that I would just say be mindful of your environment and of the way certain foods make you feel I have some people that just don't eat late because it keeps them awake it gives them like stomach discomfort at night so but I have some people who would you know choose a more wholesome option and they love it and it kind of helps them sleep. And there are certain foods that can actually support sleep as well. So eating after 7 p.m. is is okay. You can do it. Okay, we made it through the first part. (laughs) Okay, so let's keep going here. Number six, tracking macros and calories is the best way to achieve health. This is false, false, false. When I say tracking, I'm referring to tracking your foods throughout the day, every single day. Now, tracking works for some because, you know, they feel like they're getting some accountability and others because it, you know, it's educating them on what they're actually putting in their body. It's a tool, but not the only tool to achieve optimal health, whatever that means to you. But as good as tracking sounds, it is not for everyone. It is meant to be a tool that helps you gain insight into your diet and then it allows you to move on and live your life without it like it's not like a long-term thing but a few reasons why it's just not necessary for most people is that it can be very addicting um if you are tracking every single day and you feel like you cannot live your life that's a problem and i would encourage you to seek a counselor to help you kind of break that habit. Um, It can also encourage restriction. The more you're kind of focusing on intake, it's likely that you can develop disordered eating habits and it can be inaccurate. I cannot tell you how much inaccurate information is on some of those, you know, tracking apps. And since people can kind of just put in their own foods and recipes, there's a lot of room for error. And not to mention, we maybe unable to enter the correct portion sizes. So who knows if the numbers really reflect what we ate anyway, right? So I I would just say, look at the bigger picture. Um, On one end, if it helps you kind of get, you know, get into a habit of being more mindful of your your eating. Um, And, and, you know, if you need to do it because you're a healthcare provider, encourages it for whatever reason maybe you're i don't know trying to get in more fiber whatever the case is sure but it's it's just not a it's not the only tool and i i wouldn't recommend it for everyone um as i said you know it can become addicting um it can encourage disordered eating behaviors which we know can lead to eating disorders down the road and um it could be very um inaccurate, you know, on the app. So always look at the bigger picture. It's not the only way or the best way to achieve health. Number seven, nutrition myth, gluten-free means healthy. I'm sure there's some of you out there who have tried the gluten-free lifestyle, or maybe you're on it right now, but 
from my own thoughts and also just based on the science, we use the gluten-free diet for those with celiac disease or maybe you have a gluten sensitivity or other gluten-related disorders. This may be really helpful to manage, you know, these types of conditions. But for the general the general population, it's not necessary. Um, gluten, if you don't know what it is, it's a protein found in wheat, barley, and rye grains. And if you only eat the processed gluten-free foods like gluten-free cakes or gluten-free cookies, you may not get your recommended vitamins, fiber, and minerals. Also, gluten-free foods can contain more saturated fats added salts and sugars than the traditional foods. And if you choose to follow a gluten-free diet for whatever reason, make sure to include naturally gluten-free options like, you know, your some of these whole grains like quinoa, buckwheat, or sweet potatoes, beans, nuts, fresh fruits and veggies. And before you decide to cut a whole food group out of the picture, please, I encourage you to speak with your healthcare professional first. So gluten-free does not mean healthy, but it, you know, healthy in a sense where if you do have, you know, one of these like gluten-related disorders, um, and you need to follow a gluten-free diet to help you manage your condition. Absolutely. But for the general population, guys, like gluten-free is it's not, it's not really like something that you have to do. Number eight, we're almost there, guys. Vegan is the only way to go. I've heard this quite a lot. I've actually had women that I've worked with, um, you know, asking me, hey, like, do I need to be vegan or do I need to be vegetarian? I'm like, you don't need to be vegetarian or vegan. Um, You know, I think everybody has their own preference, whether it's religious or an environmental thing, sustainability thing, whatever the case is, I would just say, being a vegan or vegetarian is not the only only way to go. And I wouldn't say a vegan diet is a healthier, quote unquote, healthier diet than those that do add meat or animal products to their eating styles. But I will say we should all include more plants into our eating routine for better health outcomes, whether we're trying to prevent or manage disease. This means adding in more vegetables and fruits, legumes, etc., And when you do prioritize these plant-based foods at your meals and snacks, there is certainly some room to incorporate meat or animal products while maintaining all those wonderful benefits of those plant-based foods. So if you do eat animal products or meat, I would highly encourage choosing leaner proteins on the regular, such as poultry, fish, seafood, and incorporating a meat-free meal on occasion. If you want to follow a vegan or vegetarian diet, or you're already following one, I just will recommend that you really stay mindful about how you're meeting your nutrient needs, especially when it comes to protein, calcium, iron, B12, through other food sources. These particular nutrients may lack in vegan or vegetarian eating styles. And if you are pregnant or breastfeeding, meet with a dietitian to help you optimize your nutritional intake for you and your growing baby. All right, number nine, fruit has too much sugar. Okay, fruit contains carbohydrates in the form of natural sugar, which is much different than added sugars found in a lot of these processed foods. Added sugars are what contribute to an increased risk for chronic diseases, which are found in food sources like sodas and juices, etc. 
But it is important to be mindful of the foods that have added sugars as it can affect your overall health, including your vaginal health too. A general recommendation for women is to stay around six teaspoons or 24 grams per day. This is what health organizations recommend. So eat the fruit. Fruit contains fiber, which helps with digestive health, as well as many other vitamins and minerals and antioxidants. So don't fear the banana or the apple. You will be 100% all right. Okay. (laughs) Okay. And the last but not the least, I saved the best for last. This next myth could be a whole podcast episode, which one day I will actually do. And that is thinness equates to health. Let's talk about it. We live in a society that is so obsessed with shape and weight. Everywhere you look, you know, in the magazines, on, you know, ads, there's something about weight loss. There's new diet trends and wellness practices. It's overwhelming. It's a bit too much. And I have been fed up. Now, this is a very complex area to discuss, which is why I will be back with a future episode on this very topic with a special guest, because There's a lot of history behind why society is the way that it is, you know, when it comes to, you know, appearance and weight and body size. There is no evidence to suggest that excess weight causes disease. Those in larger bodies as well as those in smaller bodies can have the same health conditions. I work with women in larger and smaller bodies who have hypertension, high cholesterol, and so much more. And to add, BMI is not a good indicator of health either because it does not take into consideration your body type or composition rather, metabolic rate, or even gender, but that's for another day. So yes, the size of a person's body does not indicate if a person is quote-unquote healthy, and there are so many things that factor into that number on the scale that are simply out of our control. For example, what you eat throughout the day, what you drink, your hormones, and the menstrual cycle are just a few things there. We really need to take the focus off like the emphasis on weight and start looking at healthy habits and behaviors when it comes to the way we think about our bodies, you know, food, our relationship with it exercise, and mental health. Whole health and well-being are really good places to start. So I think it's about time we kind of reframe this a little bit. Okay, thank you for sticking with me. We, we made it to the end. So as you can see, now this is just 10. I mean, this is just like one small percentage of all the nutrition myths I hear on the regular. So this might just be a part one of I don't even know how many parts, but this is really important for you to know um, because some of this information out there, it is misinformation. It's not the truth and it can create a lot of confusion. And I certainly believe we all deserve just, you know, great information that is accurate and is science backed. If you did enjoy listening to today's episode on some of the common nutrition myths debunked by me, please do leave a rating and a review. I would really appreciate it. Share with a friend. And I'll catch you guys on the next episode. In the meantime, keep flourishing.